I want you to write down that we really are in a real war of the worlds. You remember that movie, The War of the Worlds? I'm talking about we are in a real war of the worlds. And we're not warring against somebody from Mars. We're not warring against somebody from another universe. We are in a battle against the devil that hates us. We're in a battle against a demonic spiritual world. Can I tell you there are two different worlds? There is the physical world and there is the spiritual world. Now, you need to understand something about the physical world. The physical world is not just the flesh. We call it the flesh. It's a, it's a term that we use. But, but it's not just this. It's all of this. It's everything that not only can we touch, but it's what we hear, it's what we see, it's what we smell. Everything in this world that our five senses pick up on is the physical world. In the physical world, there is reason, there's rationality. Uh, these, are every, these are things in our everyday life. These are things that are seen. Everybody say seen. Now these are things that we can see with our natural eyes. But there's also another world that you need to know about today. And I felt like as we get ready to kick off Elevate Conference, I told all of our speakers, our theme is it's time. Somebody shout it's time. Somebody shout it again, it's time. Well, today I want you to, tell, I want you to know that the title of my message today is it's time to fight with the light, praise God. Somebody say, I'm going to fight with the light. You might want to write that down. I'm going to fight with the light. Who are we fighting? Let me tell you something. There's another world that we're in, a, we're in a battle with, and it's not the physical world. It is the spiritual world. This involves things that you cannot see. Temptation. Uh, involved in, on, on the bad side, temptation, but on the, on the spiritual side, on the good side, is where we worship. It's where we experience God. It's where we encounter God in the spirit realm. How many knows there's an unseen world? There's a world that's happening all around us. There are things happening in the atmosphere around us right now that we cannot see with our natural eyes. But we either believe this Bible or we don't. And the Bible tells us that we are in a war. And Paul made it clear in Scripture. He said, we do not war against flesh. We do not war against flesh. That means our enemy is not another person. But yet... We make our enemy about another person, don't we? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Right now, we're, we're blaming everybody in the world for every problem that's happening. Depending on what side of the fence you're on, it's everybody's fault on the other side of the fence. And all, everybody on that side of the fence is saying it's everybody's fault on the other side of the fence. But the reality is this. What they don't realize is both sides of the fence are being pawns and being used and manipulated by an unseen world to create a diversion. Come on, are y'all hearing me? From what we should really be focusing on. Jesus said, he told us, listen, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to even be brought for governors. And many of you are going to be killed for my namesake. And he said, but you cannot be overcome by the world. You're supposed to overcome the world. We are, not, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Can somebody help me preach? It's time for preachers to preach the word again. It's, come on, amen. It's time for preachers to preach the word again. We've done so much watering down that we don't even know what the word is anymore. Am I preaching right? 
One of my favorite scriptures and favorite stories in the scriptures that illustrates what I'm talking about, about the unseen world. I love our praise team. Do you love our praise team? I love our praise team. Man, because, listen, I, this, this is how talented and anointed they are that, that in between services, because of what they heard me preach, they changed the set list and brought that song in. Oh, you know, I may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. By. It's based on this scripture. I love this story. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 18. It's talking uh, about the time of the prophet Elisha. And it says, Now the king of Syria, who was the enemy of God's people, was making war against Israel. Now watch this. He consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. In other words, he was letting them know this is where we're going to be stationed as we get ready to go in and invade Israel. And the man of God sent to, king, to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told them. Talking about Elisha. Then he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. In other words, the prophet told them where the enemy was going to be. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled, listen to this, by this thing. And he called his servants to him and said, listen to what he said, will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, there's got to be a spy in the camp. Because every time we get ready to invade, when we arrive, they already know we're coming. So some, nobody other than the people in this room even knows the plan. So which one of you is for Israel and not for me? Listen to what one of the servants said. None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, listen to this, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. My God, are you hearing me? In other words, in other words he was saying, not only does Elisha know where we're going into battle, he knows stuff about you that you talk to your wife about in the bedroom. And he's telling the king that stuff. Come on, somebody. Y'all hearing me? See, some of y'all think that the Holy Spirit and the angels that God sends to protect you just sort of checks out at night and stands on the outside of your bedroom door and says, I'll be here in the morning when you wake up. How many knows they don't leave you? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, I got to go on. So he said... Go and see where he is, talking about Elisha, that I may see him and get him. No, I got to stop this man. And it was told, saying, surely he is in Dothan, Alabama. Oh, wait a minute. Dothan, Israel. Therefore he sent horses, watch this, and chariots and a great army there. Can you imagine? Horses, chairs, and a great army to go get an unarmed man living in the, in the middle of a desert in a tent. How many knows the devil knew who he was dealing with? Come on, y'all hear me. And a great army there, and they came by night. They even snuck in at night for an unarmed prophet and surrounded the city where he was at. And when the servant... The assistant to the man of God, it was just Elijah, Elisha and him. And when the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning and went out, 
There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant runs back into the tent and says, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you've done everything you know that you can do and it still looks like you are surrounded by circumstances that are out of your control and you don't know what you can do? You don't know how you're going to get out of it and you just throw your hands up and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how it's even going to get out. I'm going to get out of this mess. I don't know what to do. You ever been there? Say amen. Amen. So he says, what are we going to do? Listen to this. I mean, it's awesome. Verse 16, he says, so he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Not just around the city, around the prophet. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people I pray would pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the words of Elisha. Can I tell you something? There's more to the situation than you can see. I got up this morning, I knew I was going to preach today, and I said, Lord, I'm like Elisha this morning. I got the same prayer. Lord, open their eyes today so that they might see. Come on. Open our eyes at Elevate Conference so that we might see what is really going on. That's why you got to turn some of this mess off right now. Because all it's doing is trying to cause you to think that there's something going on that's impossible to change. I come to tell you... I don't care how much, how bad the conditions look like out there. There is more that is with us than those that are against us. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Lord, open their eyes. Lord, open their eyes and let them see. It's time for you to see. Oh, yeah. See, when you're moved by the flesh... When you're moved by circumstances, when you're moved by what you can see and what you spend so much time. It's been said many times that the eyes and the ears are the windows to the soul. What you listen to and what you watch will affect what you believe. It will cause you to be blind. You ever heard that song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Can I tell you something? Without Jesus, you're blind. You're only moved by the natural. You're only moved by reason. You're only moved by intellect. You're only moved by what some teacher taught you or what some Instagram quote was or what some YouTube video was. You're only moved by what the words of someone else said uh, that the world and the condition of the world is in. I got news for you. You think think this thing's going under? Let me tell you something. It's going under one day. But before it goes under, God has promised us a revival as such the world has never seen. Joel and Peter. Peter both quoted that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Come on. I'm talking about that's our generation. But the world is trying to distract us to make us feel like it's beyond hope. 
it's, it's sowing seeds of hopelessness. And the church is buying into it. Is there any, re- is there any wonder that the church is a plummeting in attendance? Because people are sick of coming to a church service on Monday morning, getting a good hack at Holy Ghost, Holy Helicopter, and shout the preacher down, and, and he's preaching like about to die, hyperventilate. He feel like he's about to die at any moment, and you don't even know what he's saying, and you have some kind of experience, and you go out and you leave on Sunday back into that world, and nothing has changed about you. I don't want to be a church like that. I don't want to be a church where we come and have a great service, but yet we go right back out there and, and we're only moved by what we see. You hear in the church, there are things happening in the spirit realm right now that you can't see. You know, I always give the illustration. TV and radio waves. You can't see them right now, can you? Cell phone signal. Of course, if you got Verizon, you got a signal in here. If you got any other kind of phone, your signal's not in here. But but you can't see it, can you? But they're in here, right? So you can deny it all you want to. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. It's impossible. There's. There's. I'm looking at the air right now. There's nothing in here. But yet, I can send my wife a text through this impossible thing that you say doesn't exist because you don't see it. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And if you can have faith to believe that in this room is every local television station, every local radio station, every cell phone tower, uh, Wi-Fi signals, access to every video online and everything is in this world, you can believe that, but yet you can't believe that the God that stepped out on nothing and spoke to nothing and, and it became something is fighting on your behalf in the unseen world. Huh? Slap your neighbor and tell him, Pastor's in elevate mode. See, we need God to open our eyes so we can see who is on our side. See, I like it when he said, He saw, he opened the eye, he said, God, open up the eyes of my servant so he can see. And then he saw, my God, not just chariots. See, the world, listen to this, had chariots. The soldiers of Syria had horses and chariots and soldiers. But when God opened the eyes of the assistant to Elisha, he saw that God had soldiers, had weapons, had horses, but had chariots of fire. Huh? <laughs> I'm talking about it's one thing to ride in a in a golden chariot, but it's another thing to ride in a chariot that's on fire. And isn't it amazing that the story of Elisha is so famous because he's the assistant to Elijah. And we all know the story, most of us know the story, where Elisha was one of the students of what they called the school of the prophets. And and, and Elijah the prophet was the one that was teaching his students all the time. He was teaching them the ways of the prophet. It's very, very well known in Scripture that, that he had taught them, 
That there's something about, the, he didn't fully know the big picture, but he said, God has been preparing me. I'm going to be taken from y'all. He didn't really know to the fullest extent of how it was going to happen, but he knew that he was going to be taken from them, and he had told his students that. So when it came time for Elijah, and you know the story, Elijah, he's walking, and he's, he's, he's on his journey. It's time for him to go, and he's walking. And then all of these students, the Bible said, came and, and, and began to follow them. But yet only one left the pack and actually stood by the man and walked with the man. And all the rest of them hid behind trees and watched and listened. And every stop they would stop, Elijah would say, go back home to your mama and to your daddy. And Elijah would say, I'm not leaving you as long as I live. I'll never leave you. He's like, okay, come on. And they'd go from city to city to city until they got to the River Jordan. When they got to the River Jordan, he said it again. He said, listen, you've got to go back home. You don't understand what's going on right now. And Elisha said, I may not know everything, but I can tell you this, as the Lord God lives and as I liveth, I will not leave you he said okay so they crossed he took his mantle and he smoked the river jordan the river jordan parted they walked onto the other side he looks over at, at elisha and he says listen just go ahead and tell me what you want and elisha said i want a double portion of your anointing listen what he says though listen this is what i'm trying to preach to you today he said i want a double portion of your anointing he didn't say okay raise your hands i'm gonna lay hands on you and transfer a double portion of my he said well, here's the thing. You've asked a very hard thing. Go back and study it. He says, you've asked a hard thing. But if you can see me go when I go, you can have a double portion of what is on me. And the Bible says, as he said that, a whirlwind began to swirl. Can you imagine standing there, them two, and they're just, and Elijah's just like, mm, are you sure you wanted this? <laughs> it's what you asked for. Here it comes, here it comes. And Elijah's like, oh, oh, I'm second guessing this. I don't know. I don't know if he was like most people. Then all of a sudden, in the midst of the whirlwind, here comes, listen, a, the Bible specifically says, a chariot of fire. Led by horses, praise God, out of an unseen world. Comes down, swoops down, grabs Elijah, throws him in the chariot of fire, and takes him away. And the Bible said Elisha watched the chariot of fire go away. And then all of a sudden he saw a little dot of something falling. And it was the mantle or the prayer shawl of Elijah. And it fell to his feet. And he grabbed it and he wrapped himself in it. And he walked over to the river Jordan because the Jordan had closed again. And he was standing there. And on the other side of Jordan was all his friends who didn't have the guts to, to follow him there. They were watching it all. The Bible says they were watching it all. He, grab, he grabs the mantle and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smites the waters and the waters part. And he just, just come on, just struts right across. Praise God. He got it down, baby. He's, he's just like, whoo, strutting. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And he gets to the other side. And his friends run straight up to him. And his friends said, we saw it all. I wonder, go back and read your Bible. I wonder where God put our leader. He was there, and then all of a sudden he's gone. So we're going to go to the mountains and search for him. See, they couldn't see what Elisha could see. Sometimes you just got to be faithful. And sometimes you might, might need to hang out with and sit under men and women who can see things that you can't see. Because if you're faithful to serve men and women who can see things that you can't see, there'll come a time that you'll be able to see not just what they see, but greater than what they see. 
Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. You got to be careful who you sit under and who you sit around. Saul of Tarsus became Apostle Paul, but when he was Saul of Tarsus, he had papers in his hands. He was, he was a, a, at the very least, an accessory to murder of Stephen, but probably more than likely had killed many Christians. He was on his way to Damascus to do his worst to the Christians that he had ever done. He was fierce anger. The Bible said his anger was on another level. But on his way on that donkey to Damascus, how many knows he got knocked off his donkey by Jesus? It's called an encounter the road to Damascus. Go back and read the story. The Bible says a light shone bright and he was knocked off the donkey. And immediately he said, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said, it is I, Jesus, whom you persecute. And this is really hard for you to do this. You and I both know you're running from me. And they have this conversation. And he tells him, he's struck with blindness. Look at, look at the key. Look at the similarities. Because how many knows sin can't look at the glory of God? He was struck with blindness, but he said, I'm going to send you to a man. Of course, we know Ananias would lay hands on him later, and he would receive his sight. But what I want to tell you is that when he got up, he was staggering when he got up. But the, that we all know the story. But many things that are very, very important for us to understand the spirit realm in Scripture, we skip right over that parts of the story. One of the most powerful parts of the story is that Saul had an entourage with him. And they were standing right next to him while all this was happening. He turns in a blind state looking for help. Trying to, he's saying things like, did y'all hear that? Did y'all see that? Did you hear what he said? And the Bible said, all those that were standing next to him said, we heard something, but it sounded like thunder. That's all we heard. How many knows when you're not where you're supposed to be, you can't hear many times what God is saying. When you, put, when you continually put yourself in an environment that is antagonistic to God, you will not, God will be right in the middle of it trying to speak to you and it will sound like thunder to you standing right next to somebody who can hear the voice of God as clear as, as day. It's just like the man, open his eyes. Sometimes it's open their ears so that they can hear. It's good preaching. See, Elisha could see something on those mountains when he saw them as chariots of fire. Don't you know he took pride, not pride, he took solace in knowing. Hey, the last time I had, somebody had to be helped to see chariots of fire, it was me. And now here you are, Lord, not just showing me one chariot, but you're helping me show my apprentice that I am surrounded by the same chariots that took my leader away. See, if we're not careful, we will think, well, that chariot of fire is for the big dogs. Huh? Are y'all hearing me? That's for Elijah. Elijah was so special, he didn't even die. You're talking about an old man. He's an old man. He's going to die in the future in the book of Revelation. I ain't got time to preach that now. But he, he, I don't know how it works. I don't know. I'm, I ain't God. But he just took him. Somehow he's, he got some kind of glory on him or something that's preserving him. Praise God. But when you see a man go away who's your leader, who has been pouring into you, and he not just goes away, but he goes away in grand style. 
where heaven opens up and you absolutely can see into another world and see coming out of that world a chariot of fire led by horses? It would be easy for you to say, whoo, I tell you what, heaven really loves Elijah. Because how many knows you're special when they come pick you up in a chariot of fire? Huh? But here's Elisha who received a double portion of the anointing. He says, open his eyes, Father. And he shows him not one, not two, not three, not, not four, not five, not ten, but an entire amassed army greater in number than the Syrian army on fire of the Holy Ghost. See, we watch movies about the supernatural. We watch series about the supernatural. We, we listen to songs about the supernatural. Some of y'all got things hanging on your wall that's supernatural. Some of y'all, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but we got dream catchers so we can catch the dreams. We got, we got pictures of, of people, you know, pentagrams, all this kind of stuff. We, we, will, we will embrace all of that. But that pales in comparison to the armies of the Lord. See, those are the supernatural armies of the darkness. And they are trying their best to distract you. Because here's the reality. If the devil, if you could talk to the devil face to face and you say, what would be your preferred method of what you would love to do to any believer? What would be, to, to any human being? To any human being. What would you love to do more than anything to any human being? This is what the devil will respond to you because John, Jesus tells us that in John 10, he said, I would, he, he, he would say, I would kill them, destroy them before they ever come to know Christ and drag their soul to hell. How many of us, that's what the le- devil would love to do to every human being? Because he hates us because we were created in the image of God. When he looks at us, we remind him of God. But here's the second thing I believe the devil would say. If I can't get that, then I would prefer, if they're going to live and I can't kill them and take their souls to hell, then here's the second preferred thing that I would love to do. Let them, this is going to sound weird to y'all, believe in a spirit realm, believe in a God, believe in the big man upstairs, And not believe in me. See, you think that the devil wants to be worshipped. The devil would prefer that you don't even believe he exists. Because the moment you worship him and acknowledge Satan, you are acknowledging God. Because the only way you even know about Satan is from the Word of God. So when you say, I believe in the devil, you and, and I'm sure he loves that to be worshipped, you're acknowledging God. But if you don't believe in the devil, it becomes easier for you to not believe in God. Or to not believe in the true God. See, we have an epidemic now of people believing in God, but not the devil. People believing in heaven, but not hell. People believing a doctrine, 
that, that does not involve teaching the people of God to stand in the gap and fight for their families. If there is no devil, if there is no spiritual warfare, then why pray? Why stand between the living and the dead? Why tell the devil to get his hands off my kids? Why tell the devil to get his hands off my grandkids? Why tell the devil, you're not going to destroy my marriage. In the name of Jesus, my marriage is going to make it. Why even do that? See, it's a distraction. All this stuff that's going on in our world, not just our world, but all it's always been that way. It's always been an attempt of the devil to get us distracted from what he is doing behind the scenes. Can I shock you a little bit? i got to hurry. The devil has never killed anyone. Never. Even though the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But the devil has never stolen from you. He's never destroyed you and he's never killed you. I know he hasn't killed you because you're here. And every murder that's ever happened, was it's called murder because one human being takes the life of another human being. Influenced by demonic forces every robbery or theft that's ever happened has been performed by a man or a woman the devil didn't open up your window and climb in your window while you're on vacation because he saw your mail piled up outside you didn't leave your lights on and and you while you're chilling out in the beach he's inside your house getting your tv how many of the devil don't want your tv But the devil moves on people to do that. But Paul said what you got to understand when you see people harming you, you have to guard yourself against thinking that they are the enemy. Paul said we do not war against flesh. The Democrat is not your enemy. The Republican is not your enemy. Can I just be plain with y'all? But we have turned them into our enemies. The worst thing that's ever happened to create the distraction, to get us in the mess that we're in, is this thing right here. Everything we know about everything, we learn here. We can't even go to church for for 45 to 90 minutes to hear our pastor try to teach the Word of God, but we can scroll And watch videos for hours. And we're being fed. And we're being fed. And we're being fed. That there's no hope. There's nothing that we can do. So we might as well just give in. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not giving in. I'm just going to make it clear right now. I'm not giving in. I'm not believing this lie. Are you hearing me? Jesus said, you got to work while it's day, for there's a night coming when nobody's going to be able to work. If there's breath in my body, I'm going to preach Jesus. If there's breath in my body, I'm preaching this. I'm not preaching what some man said. I'm going to preach the Word of God. See, 
what you've got to realize is something that's profound. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, how many has ever accepted Jesus as your Savior? Wave your hand at me right now. Here's something you need to understand. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you also accept Satan as your enemy. It's not one, it's not either or. It's a package deal. You know who your Savior is, and you know who your enemy is. You know what light is, you know what darkness is. You know what life is, you know what death is. Satan has opposed God from the beginning of time. He has wanted to create what I call the dark side. God is trying to say, Larry, I am your father. Thank you, God. See, I've said this for years. I remember saying this at least back to the, to the Haybarn church. It might have even been before that. But I've been saying it for most of my ministry, and that is this. Every person who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, Jesus told his disciples when they came back one time from having a, a great result. He started talking about people were being healed. He had sent them out, and they came back, and they were given a report. People were being healed. They said, even demons were subject to us in your name. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, rejoice not that demons are subject to you in my name, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Let me tell you something. So I get excited to know that as a believer, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. As a, that means my name is known in heaven. That means they called my name out when they wrote my name. And one day they're going to open up that book and they're going to call my name out in heaven again. All of heaven rejoiced when I got saved. All of heaven rejoiced when you got saved. That's what the Bible said. So every believer is known in heaven, but not every believer is known in hell. My purpose and my passion in life, I know I'm going to heaven, man. I know I'm going to heaven. So, I, so I'm not trying to, to, to impress heaven more. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm on a mission for the demons of hell and the devil himself to know my name. I want him to not just know me as the Raglan boy. I want him to know Larry Joe Raglan, born January the 8th, 1968. He tore us up from the moment he came in. I, I need to shut him up. Listen, you need to have a desire to be known by the devil. I want the devil shaking in his boots when I wake up. Praise God. God, he's up again. He's up again. The devil has no rights to my family. He has no rights, period. He's illegal here. He has no rights. Genesis 1.26 gave us the rights. Gave us the dominion. That's why he has to move on people to murder, move on people to destroy, move on people to kill, move on people to make you angry, to talk about you behind your back. I'm closing. This is called an elevate anointing. I'm not trying to blame every bad thing on the devil because I'm going to tell you some of our sickness, some of our poverty. Yeah, I said some of our sickness, some of our poverty situations, some of our relationship problems are simply the results of our own wrong and poor choices. You don't want cancer, don't smoke, don't dip. You might get away with it, be one of the lucky ones, but don't get mad at God if you get cancer. 
Come on, somebody. That ain't the only ones that get cancer, but I'm trying to tell you that if, that if you don't want to have a heart attack, lose some weight. Huh? If you don't, if you don't want to have an unplanned pregnancy, don't have sex. We want to get mad and say, how'd this happen? Well, do I need to tell you? Do I need to break it down for you? But make no mistake about it. The devil is at work in every aspect of our lives. Ain't a devil behind every door and all. That's not what I'm preaching. Because sometimes people will do stupid things and they'll say, well, I tell you what, all I can say is the devil's working. The devil's working. I want to look at somebody and say, no, the devil's not working. You just being dumb. I mean, my God, how many road signs do you need? How many times do you need somebody to come up and give you a word trying to stop you? Signs. I mean, stop. Don't go. Don't go. I'm talking about the whole world's got neon signs saying, don't do this. And then you do it and you go, how in the world did this happen? How did I let myself get here? I got to close with this. How many, believes that, how many believes that we are in this world, but we are not of this world? Listen, I got a passport. I got a driver's license. I got a birth certificate that says I'm a United States of American citizen. But even greater than that, I am a citizen of two worlds. Praise God. I got, I got papers in the kingdom, baby. I'm a kingdom kid. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, He's given them power to become the sons of God. I got papers in the kingdom. They try to question me. I'm in the books. I got to close. I got to close. I got to close. Ephesians chapter 5. What's this? This is powerful. You, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the Spirit. Is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you the light. How do we get the light? James 1.17 says, For every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And here's the part that we read right over. With whom there is no variation and no shadow of turning. Now, I want to show you something. Some of you have seen this, this meme that's going around social media. When I first saw it, I thought, I wonder if that's true because no one had ever told me this. No one had ever showed me this. And out, out here I am, 50 years old, and I'm like, why has no one ever talked about this? Why has no one ever showed me this? And when you, listen, listen I know some of y'all be like, well, it's true. Y'all can come on up. Praise team, come on up. Some of y'all be like, you know, it's true. It's on the internet. Come on. But watch this. How many of those, if it's just on the internet, it probably, most of the time it probably ain't even fully true. But now, now, 
Now we believe it just because it's on the internet. So I saw that. I said, I got to try this myself. And I tried it. Now, now understand y'all about to be in the darkness, y'all. Just keep that in mind. Don't turn your cell phone light on either. Now watch this. I'm going to show you what darkness is. Can I tell you, darkness, this is what you got to get. Darkness is not even real. It doesn't exist. You can't produce it. You can't mimic it. You can't make it. Tonight, when it's dark, what they call dark, it doesn't get dark because darkness comes. It is dark because light sets. Darkness is simply one thing. It is the absence of light. Never one time has darkness ever won the battle against light. Not one time have they ever, has it ever won overpowered light. I don't care if it's on a football field and every light is out and it's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. Watch this. Turn the lights out. All the lights. Turn the screens off. Now, it's, you can still see my tablet glowing. You can see a little bit of light. You can probably see me because of the white shirt. But now I want to show you something. Watch this. When I light this, and of course I would have a lighter that wouldn't work. Do you see the flame? Did every eye, can every eye see the flame? Well, guess what? I can't see you. You know why? It's dark. But you can see me because I got a light up here, right? Now, turn that light on up there. I'm going to show you something. Now, when I stand in front of the light, do you see that shadow? You see the shadow? Now, I know everybody's not going to be able to see it. If you can't see it, just trust me. All right, you see, you see the shadow, right? Do you see the shadow of the lighter in my hand? Now, watch this. Do you see a shadow of the flame? Sandy, buy some new lighters. Not from Dollar Tree. All right, now watch this. You can see the shadow of the heat if you're close enough, but you cannot see the flame. Because here's the reality. You see the, you see the lighter? Light casts no shadow. You can see the lighter, can't you? I'm going to do it like this so everybody can see it no matter where you're at. No flame. Turn the lights back on. Here's why. Here's why. Because what is behind light is always driven out. And the Bible says the light of God has no shadow and no turning. The reason you could see my shadow was because there was a bright light shining against this side of me, but not behind me. The shadow that you saw of me would have been completely eliminated if somebody stood behind me and, and shined a light on the backside of me, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, the shadow would disappear. Why? Because light is coming from those directions. This is what, this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. When we come in a room, when we come into a situation, and we are the light of the world, there is no shadow of turning. There is not one aspect. There is not one area that a shadow can even exist. When the light, get up on your feet right now. And when the light of the world is shining, when the light of the world is shining, the light of us is shining in this world, it drives out darkness. So we sit back and we let darkness overcome us. And we're like, oh God, this world's in a mess. This world's dark. How am I going to make it? 
while we have inside of us. The Bible was very clear for him to say, for greater is he. He, not you, not it. How many knows he's not an it? Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. In other words, the power that's in you is greater than any situation. It's greater than any situation out there. Quit believing what the world is telling you. Quit buying into the distraction. Turn the light on. Hey, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you.